Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Thomas Tailgate Party. I'm your host, one Thomas Jackson. Happy Rivalry Week slash World Cup Week slash Feast Week slash Thanksgiving Week. Lots going on um, this late in November. This is always one of the best sports weeks of the year. Of course, with everybody getting some days off, uh, I mean, the highlight of this show, the college football rivalry weekend, as good as it gets, even though it's sad that <laughs> we are coming to a close. It always it always goes by so fast every year. Um, but Turkey Day NFL, college basketball, random tournaments in Maui and Brooklyn and the Bahamas and everywhere in between. And this year we have the World Cup, so... A whole hell of a lot going on. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the World Cup podcast. Thank you again to Jackson Spiro for coming on that one and enlightening us with some soccer wisdom. Uh, the USA game, golly, it was disappointing. I mean, <laughs> it's funny in soccer, and I'm speaking as someone who has not watched very much soccer in my life, but these are just my casual observations. Um, if you are down... 1-0 and then come back and score late to get the equalizer as they say um, then it feels like a win or if you're just the underdog in general and you tie it really feels like I remember people say about 2010 the U.S. beat England one to one because we were such heavy dogs in that one um, and then if you're the favorite or like the U.S. today you had the lead for about an hour's worth of actual game time and then you give up a goal with, you know, less than 10 minutes to go before stoppage time. It feels like a loss almost. Um, you know, glad the American squad at least didn't leave with zero points because that second half was pretty scary. The the Wales attack was, it was coming fast and strong. Um, pretty nerve-wracking there, but that's what makes soccer a lot of fun to watch in these high-stake games. Um, so yeah, we'll see how we do against England on Friday. I haven't seen the lines yet, but I know that the U S will be a heavy dog, but I don't know. Maybe it feels like 2010, <laughs> um, best, uh, yes, best sport week of the year. So we've got, uh, the week 11 recap quickly or week 12. Sorry. I'm all discombobulated today. Um, then we're going to talk to Kayshawn Moore, my buddy from middle school on, um, we played football together way back into the day, go Bulls, and he's going to talk to us about the Ohio State-Michigan game. He's always been a big Ohio State fan, um, and Cowboys and Patriots, so take that for what you will. But yeah, he's going to come on to give us a little bit of perspective going into that game. Um, I'm going to do the rest of the Week 13 Rivalry Week outlook by myself, and then on Wednesday night, most likely... We are going to have our second annual Iron Bowl Summit when I'm back home, so it'll be nice to do that in person with some Alabama and Auburn friends that I have back in the 256. So I will quit rambling, and we will go into the Week 12 recap now. This was one of those Saturdays that, on paper beforehand, doesn't look like there's going to be a bunch of great games, and it wound up uh, being the case that every top five team was in trouble of losing um, Georgia, we'll start off, we'll just go in order here. 
Number one, Bulldogs beat Kentucky 16-6. to I didn't see any of this game. Georgia had the lead the whole time, I believe, but um, a pretty ugly performance from the Dogs. Sleepwalking, I'm sure, a bit in Lexington um, against the Kentucky team that has really been reeling the last half of the season. They squeak it out. It wasn't as close as any of the rest of the games we're going to talk about. Number two, Ohio State. I'll get Kay Sean's thoughts on that more. I did see a good bit of that one. They defeated Maryland 43-30, to and it was not... Not a two-score victory until the last second of the game when they walked in the end zone uh, after getting an interception on the very last play and scoring. So it was close the whole way. Maryland had the lead at half and were within three points in the fourth quarter. Um, that was a pretty good atmosphere there in the snake pit. Um, but unfortunately, Loxley and Little Tungavaloa couldn't get it done. So Ohio State moves on. Michigan... Uh, needed three fourth quarter field goals to defeat Illinois. Illinois has been a tough team all year. Um, I mean, this is a more understandable close game than the previous two. Scary moment at the end of the first half for the Wolverines running back Blake Corum left with a leg injury. Um, never saw what came out of that. He re-entered the game very briefly in the third quarter before being pulled and inactive for the rest of the game. So I hope he's good to go against Ohio State. He's one of, if not the best back in the country. Um, and before Saturday, he was like third or fourth in the Heisman race as well. So they're going to need him if they're going to have a good shot at beating the Buckeyes in the shoe. But Illinois is just, I mean, they they match up well, I guess, with Michigan because they play the same similar, just ugly defensive running focus style of football so they were able to keep it very low scoring and had the lead for a lot of the game um, definitely most of the second half until Michigan finally was able to pull ahead with their third field goal like I said of the fourth quarter but Big Blue escapes and goes into the game undefeated as do the Buckeyes. TCU this was the craziest ending that I've seen um, in a few weeks at least, but they defeated Baylor 29-28. to Baylor had an eight-point lead in the fourth quarter, and Max Duggan completely took the game over, willing the Frogs to victory. And if you haven't seen the end of this, this game, go and find it somewhere on social media because TCU decided to run the ball on third down to get to the other hash. They only got a couple yards on that play, so distance wasn't really the factor. I think they were just trying to line the kicker up where he liked it the most. And they were all out of timeouts left. So with, I believe, 16 seconds, the play ended, and they had to rush their kicking unit onto the field super frantically. They were able to get the snap off with a couple seconds, but not enough time for the kicker to kind of settle in and feel it out like they normally do. Um, And he hit it, I mean... (laughs) Hats off to that guy because that was a super high-pressure field goal. Their whole season was on the line, and he didn't have a single second to stop and think about it. Maybe that was a good thing, but impressive job by TCU special teams there to uh, pull that off in such controlled fashion in a very chaotic moment. Last top five team, Tennessee. This was by far the most surprising result of the day. They got defeated by South Carolina, 63-38. to This South Carolina team has been kind of all over the place this season. We've seen them pull a couple upsets and get upset a couple times. Um, Spencer Rattler has not had a very good season until this game where he put up 63 points 
against this volunteer defense that I think everyone knew was pretty vulnerable at times this year. Um, unfortunately for the Vols, Hendon Hooker went down with an ACL in the fourth quarter, and they were already down a good bit at that point, but that really squashed any chance they had of coming back. So he's done for the season. Um, hell of a year from him. He was one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the country, and uh, hopefully he has a speedy recovery, as I assume he goes on to the league, because he's like almost as old as I am. So I don't think he has any eligibility left, but hard to tell nowadays with all the all the COVID hangover. Um, USC defeated UCLA 48-45. to The Trojans, they've, they, they're still hanging on to the playoff hopes. Um, this was a... Good atmosphere. They finally filled up the Rose Bowl, although about half of it, I think, was USC fans. They got down 14-0 quickly in the first quarter after a couple trips to the red zone. Uh, Led to zero points for the Trojans, but Caleb Williams, much like Max Duggan, decided that he was not losing this game and played a hell of a second half. Now USC is still looking at the playoff as the into their season, possibly. Um, They have Notre Dame at home this Saturday night, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and they will play the Oregon Ducks um, in the Pac-12 championship game here in a couple weeks. Oregon defeated Utah 20-17. Bo Nix was questionable to play in this game. He's had such a great season. Um, They kind of, they needed him to win this one, but their defense was able to step up big time as he had to leave the game um, in the middle of action uh, Oregon was up 17-3 to in the third quarter, and Utah came back to tie it at 17 um, before Oregon's defense was able to make the stops they needed, get one more field goal to take home the victory in Eugene. North Carolina, uh, the longest shot to get in the playoff that still had a okay, I guess, small chance um, before Saturday, lost to Georgia Tech. Um, a team that fired their coach halfway through the season, 21-17. to North Carolina, it was really shocking after their first few weeks of the season that they were still hanging around and ha- were able to con- include themselves in the playoff discussion this late in the season because uh, they've just been trying to give it up all year, and they finally did. A couple more to wrap up. Uh, week 12, Arkansas absolutely smashed Ole Miss, 42-27. to I was on the wrong side of this one. I thought the Rebels were just the better team all over. I uh, didn't see much of this game because both USC's were playing at the same time and Bedlam, which Bedlam, nothing to talk about there. Another uh, letdown from Oklahoma State, but Arkansas gave up 700 yards of offense to Ole Miss and only 27 points. So I guess that's the old bend don't break. The Hogs become bowl eligible, and Ole Miss now has a lot of questions surrounding their program, which we will talk about a little bit more in the Iron Bowl pod. Lastly, Florida, what the hell are you doing? They lost to Vandy 31-24. to Vandy now has two SEC wins under their belt this season, back-to-back after beating Kentucky last week, um, after not getting a single SEC victory since 2019. So good job to the Commodores. They'll be fighting for three in a row and bowl eligibility when the Volunteers come to town on Saturday. So that'll do it for Week 12. Let's move on to the Week 13 Rivalry Week preview. We start off Rivalry Week with the annual Thanksgiving evening Egg Bowl, one of my favorite games to watch every single year. This is Mississippi State at Ole Miss, uh, 6 o'clock kickoff Central Time. 
Ole Miss is a two and a half point favorite here. I'm pretty much always inclined to take the underdog side in this game just because this rivalry is it's a rivalry. You know, a lot of times the games are so wacky and don't make a lot of sense. Um, Both of these teams have been up and down this year. Both of these teams are talented, have a lot of offensive firepower. And with the questions that have started, I'm recording this Monday evening and it just some Mississippi reporter um, just came out on Twitter like an hour ago saying Kiffin is basically locked into taking the Auburn job. Um, It's not official, but of course, that's been swirling around for a few weeks now, and the heat is turning up. So I kind of like Mississippi State to win this game outright after seeing the performance of Ole Miss uh, last week at Arkansas. So I'm going to take the Bulldogs in this one. Um, it, you know, it can always go either way in this rivalry game, um, but just kind of weird energy coming out of Oxford right now, and I will go with the Dogs. Friday, there is a full slate of games. Um, USA England is at one o'clock central that afternoon, which I am honestly looking the most forward to out of anything. Like I said, feels like 2010, uh, Baylor plays at Texas first thing in the morning at 11 AM. Texas is an eight and a half point favorite here. Baylor, you know, one week they get murdered by Kansas state who is really, really good. And then the next week they are, you know, seconds away from upsetting TCU and giving them their first loss of the season. So they've been hard to predict all year, but I like them to keep it close, at least uh, with Texas there in Austin and cover that eight and a half point spread. NC State plays at North Carolina. Both of these teams, I guess UNC hasn't been disappointing, even though last week was. Uh, NC State has dealt with a lot more injuries than they would have liked to this year, uh, most notably their quarterback, Devin Leary, and unfortunately the Wolfpack. In typical Wolfpack fashion, when they've had high expectations, have completely fallen apart. So I probably like UNC to bounce back. They can still win the ACC. They're, they're playing Clemson. That game's already locked in. Um, so I'll go with the Tar Heels in this one. At nighttime on Friday, Florida at Florida State. Uh, Florida State is a 9.5-point favorite here. 6.30 central kickoff. The Knolls have had a really kind of quietly very good season, especially with how they've been the past few years. In Florida, it's been uh, anything but that. So, you know, hard to lay a lot of points in a rivalry game, but I'll go with the Knolls in a big win in Tallahassee. Let's move on to Saturday. Um, Ohio State-Michigan is the biggest game here, and we will discuss that later with Sean. The Iron Bowl, we will discuss that in a couple of days with the fellas. Um, let's see here. South Carolina at Clemson. This one will get your morning started off. Same time as the game, 11 a.m. Central kick. Clemson is a 14 and a half point favorite here. I've been very hesitant to lay any numbers, but especially big numbers with the Tigers this season. However, I do think they'll take care of business as they do have the playoffs in their sights still. And I think South Carolina is probably having a pretty fun party week paired with Thanksgiving where everyone's traveling and out of their normal schedule. So I like Dabo to keep the boys focused and uh, take care of the Cox pretty easily here. Oregon at Oregon State, the Civil War. Uh, Oregon is a three and a half point favorite in Corvallis. This is a 230 kickoff. I'm upset. I'll be at the Bama game. So I'm really upset that I won't be able to watch this one because I've been Looking forward to this one all season, really, as I was high on Oregon State early. Um, possible best bet here. 
Uh, with Bo Nix shaking up, Oregon State has been really solid and consistent all season long. They just got a big, uh, big blowout victory, thirty-one to seven, I believe, at Arizona State last Saturday. So they've been very reliable, and we'll make it official later. But definitely eyeing that plus three and a half for a best bet. Uh, Iowa State plays at TCU, the Horn Frogs' final test of the regular season to get through unscathed. This is in Fort Worth at three p.m. Central. Uh, TCU is a 10.5-point favorite. I think they'll take care of business and go to Dallas at Jerry or Arlington, I guess it is, in Jerry's world for the Big 12 title game uh, with a playoff spot on the line. LSU is a 10-point favorite at Texas A&M. 6 o'clock kickoff. For some reason, I mean, for some reason, I just feel like Texas A&M is going to pull something out of their ass and keep this one close. I know Sean had similar feelings, so maybe we'll discuss that uh, a little bit in an interview. There is no good reason on paper to believe that. This is just one of those games that is always feeling kind of wonky and everything. Um, LSU, who knows, if they won this game and Georgia and the right amount of chaos happened elsewhere, maybe they could become the first two-loss team to make it into the college football playoff. I do not think that they will be able to hang with Georgia, but I didn't think that they would be able to hang with a lot of the teams this year. So who really knows? Um, But yeah, I think that could be an interesting, weird one um, for a night game there on Saturday. Uh, one of the most exciting games of the year now, uh, Notre Dame is playing at USC. USC is a five and a half point favorite in the Coliseum. This kicks off at 630 Central. The Trojans coming off of a really hard fought emotional rivalry win. While Notre Dame, after their horrific start, has just been taking care of business all year. I mean, their biggest game of the season came when they blew out Clemson at home. Um, and their offense has finally woken up. Marcus Freeman has been able to silence all the critics and really get this train rolling um, like people that were optimistic about the Irish thought that they could. So I think that this will be a very close one. Another tough test for USC to keep their playoff hopes alive. And uh, I'm excited for this game. It could very well right up there with Michigan, Ohio State be the best game of the day. Um, Give me USC in a close one, but I think it'll be a very close one and uh, will be a great finish there. Now to wrap up with some segments, what I'm watching, the best three games in every time slot. Uh, Obviously, the game in the morning, uh, the Iron Bowl in the afternoon, which I will physically be at. But I think Oregon, Oregon State, the Civil War there at 2.30 as well will be a very, very entertaining game. And USC, Notre Dame at nighttime. Uh, The Pac-12 after dark game of the week. The Apple Cup, Washington at Washington State. 9.30 Central. Both of these teams have had really good, successful seasons. Um, Last year, if you remember, when Washington was reeling really bad, both of these teams actually fired their coach in the middle of the season last year. So crazy wonky year um, for both squads. But the Washington State kids rushed the field at Washington. So I think the Huskies will be pretty hungry for revenge here in this one. Uh, Washington's only a two-point favorite, and I think this will be a great way to end off the night as we all wind down after a long holiday weekend. The best bet, like I said, TBD. Got to look at it a little bit closer, but uh, yeah, we are 8-3 and three on the year, so congratulations to everybody who cashed in last week on Illinois first half. Uh, the Pick'em Recap, 
my brother Will has a one-game lead over my buddy Nate going into the final week. Everybody else has pretty much fallen too far behind to be relevant, but congrats to both of you on a very successful pick'em season, and it'll be fun to see who gets the final edge there. Um, stay tuned for another episode on Wednesday evening where we will talk about the Iron Bowl and some Auburn coaching stuff, I'm sure. Thank you for listening, and here is my man, Kayshawn Moore. You know, say, hey, Bryce Young didn't play, you know, so this game wouldn't count if he didn't play. So I think, you know, not having your quarterback means a lot. I mean, we know how Texas feels in 09. If they would have had their quarterback, what would have happened? And we know how Texas feels again if they would have had their quarterback this year, what would have happened against Alabama? So, I mean, maybe so. Probably not. And we won all of our games without Bryce. So I don't know what you're talking about. We might be better without him. I mean, we'll see next year. (laughs) We'll see how much confidence you have in Milrow next year. All right, we got Kayshawn Moore here, my middle school Hampton Cove Bull teammate. Um, big Ohio State fan for his whole life, so we're going to go into the game a little bit and preview number three Michigan at number two Ohio State. The Buckeyes are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is 57 in this game. Just a quick overview of kind of series and recent history between the teams before we dive into this year, Michigan leads the all-time series 59 to 51 and six ties in that. In my football watching life, which I consider 2004 when I could kind of start to comprehend and remember everything to present day, this has been completely Ohio State series. This is not news to anybody, but they've won 15 of 17 ever since 2004. Uh, Michigan ended a 10 year losing streak last year, beating Ohio state 42 to 27, um, the year before that. And I'd kind of forgotten about this because now everyone just thinks of last year leading up to this game, but Michigan canceled the 2020 game when I think everyone agrees they would have been drug out of that stadium. It would have been bad. And they put, played the COVID card and got out of it, uh, which I guess was smart on their, on their part. But because of that, it's been three years since Ohio State has beat them. It like Michigan's only won once, but it's been it wasn't since uh, or it's been since 2019 that Ohio State got their last victory, and it's been four years since Ohio State hosted a game in the Horseshoe, because conveniently the one that Michigan played the COVID card for would have been in Ohio. <laughs> so it's been a long time coming. I mean, this is like I'm going to the Iron Bowl on Saturday. This is the first. Iron Bowl full capacity in four years since I was a senior in college because we played it in 2020, but there were like, you know, a few dozen people there. Um, So, yeah. And the last time that it had been this long since Ohio State had secured a victory against Michigan, we have to go all the way back to 2001. So it's been a long run of dominance for the Buckeyes, but Michigan brings a really good team. Um, That's going to be a challenge in this game. So before we go into the Ohio State-Michigan matchup, I just wanted to get your feel for Ohio State going into this game because they were they've been one of the favorites to win the title all season. They're 11 and 0, but three of the last four games have been pretty close and a couple of those against teams that Ohio State was probably expecting to just put on cruise control in the second half and, you know, have a pretty easy day. So how do you feel about Ohio state going into this? I could not be more. And like you said, in 2004, 
around that age range, you know, you start really remembering the games. I think Terrell Pryor was the first Ohio State player I can vividly remember growing up idolizing. Um, this is the first game, even when we got boat race last year, nobody really expected that. This is the first time I feel like we could kind of lose. Um, a lot of people like to say, and I don't know, we'll get into this, you know, it could be the weather. Are we a tough team? Um, there's so many topics we'll get into later, but, um, I've been checking the weather. You can only get really up to a, a decent 10 day forecast. So I've been checking the weather since last week. Some days it says it's going to be 55 degrees and sunny. Some days like now would say it's, it's going to be showers the entire day, but, um, man, we just want to win, you know, we'll get into it, the rivalry, but this game just means so much. We haven't played them in our place in four years. Like you said, there's been a lot, a lot, a lot of trash talk on their end. So you're really just ready to just, I mean, Desmond Howard saying everything he said at the Heisman ceremony, that's on loop. That's on repeat. It's all over Twitter. Just really ready. Wait, to beat what, what did he say? Was this last year when Hutchinson was there? Yeah. So they, they, they got a couple of sacks on CJ and our tackles this year haven't actually given up a sack all season. But Hutchinson and Ajabo, the other guy that should have went first round, their two DNs last year went crazy. Both got a couple sacks each. And Hutchinson obviously went to the Heisman ceremony. And Desmond Howard, obviously, Michigan, you know, team. We call him Team Up North. I can't believe it. I just, I just even said that name. But um, he was just like, you know, um, Kenny Pickett was standing between CJ and Hutchinson. And Tim Tebow, obviously, as well. He was kind of like, you know, Hey, can he do a good job protecting CJ? Because Desmond Howard made a comment about, you know, how crazy he went in the game. And then Tim Tebow and uh, Desmond Howard were both like, you know, just stay in between them, unlike his tackles can do. And CJ just had to really just stand there and take it the whole time. But uh, so, you yeah, know, just really just a um, Coach Harbaugh coming out saying Ryan Day was born on third base. He doesn't know what it's like to really take over a program and build it up. And there's all these different things. They're talking about how they don't know what it's like to lose to us because these guys on this roster – haven't lost so much, which is kind of really this college football in and of itself because it's so much turnover year to year. But like you said, we've beaten them, what, 15 out of the past 17 times. I mean, so just so much trash talk on their end from analysts, analysts Rich Eisen and just so many guys. I'm sure Brady will come out and say something here soon leading up to the game. So really just ready to beat them, hopefully beat them soundly and uh, get out of Columbus with a win. But I mean – you want to talk about uh, – I know Alabama fans, some of them at least, are talking about bringing Scott Cochran back to kind of bring back this identity. I mean, some of us are really ready to get rid of our strength coach because we've had so many injuries this year. I mean, people are talking about Trey Henderson and Mike Williams being banged up, but our third string running back towards ACL in spring practice, now we're down to really – some people are saying he should be starting even without injuries because he's just playing so well, I guess, which would have been our fourth string running back coming into the game, Dallin Hayden, who just – Every time he touches the ball, he looks like he's amazing. It's like a lightning in the ball. I remember yeah, they were talking cool. about him in the Maryland game. So the first two guys, are they like out out? I don't know. Like Ryan Day has such an NFL mindset. Oh, he's coaching in the field, but he has such an NFL mindset when it comes to injuries. Um, he literally doesn't release the status report until two two hours before the game. I feel like a lot of guys feel like Trey Henderson may be playing with like broken bones in his foot at this point because we'll rest him for two weeks at a time. Then he'll come back. He'll still be hurt. He'll play a drive and look perfect and then be limping off the sideline. So it's like, what is it? Uh, Mayan, he, they say it's a knee and then next week it's an ankle. So we don't really know what it is. And then 
the next week it's, he tripped over the yard line at a game and then they wanted to hold him out. I mean, even Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had a hamstring injury in the first week of the game, first game of the season, he gets hurt with a hamstring injury. They say they want to take it easy on him and bring him back. We bring him back against Toledo, a team we should boat race. So it's like, why bring him back for this game? He re-injures it. We wait three more weeks to bring him back against Iowa, who we, we kill them. So it's like, why bring him back this I mean, really, any game, why bring him back? We bring him back that game. He tweaks it again. Um, so you just – at this point, you really can't even trust Ryan Day because you just don't know what's true. He will say, we're expecting somebody to come back, then they don't play. Then they're saying, oh, well, we're only going to play guys if they're healthy. Then Trey gets out there last week, and he's obviously just not healthy. So, I mean, right guard, Matt Jones is out. He got carted off. He's saying, you know, we'll see with him. The guy just got carted off, you know, last week. It'd be I'd be highly surprised if he's playing this week. So, um, it's the biggest game of the year. Ryan Day always says, you know, we have three goals. It's to beat the team up north. Obviously, the team we're playing, but we don't really say their name. Um, to win the Big Ten Championship and try to go compete for a national championship. So, in our eyes, the season hasn't even started yet. You know, obviously, we've played 11 games, but really none of those games matter because if we don't win this game, None of our goals can be accomplished, you know. And some programs like Alabama, you go 10-2, and two, you win the Rose Bowl, which is pretty big in the Big Ten, pretty big at Ohio State. And we feel like we had a horrible season. Some people say Ryan Day should be fired, and he just won 10 games and, went, and won the Rose Bowl. So, I, know I mean, what it's like. some, people say, some people say if he loses this game, he should be fired. And the guy's been to a natty, been to the playoffs two or three times, you know, just won a Rose Bowl last year, multiple first-round quarterbacks, multiple first-round talent top five recruiting class every year and people are talking about him being fired so that should just tell you and it's all off of one game you know it's all of this game um some people say it's the biggest robbery in sports not even just college football not just in football the biggest robbery in sports and um growing up in alabama and you have alabama and auburn but if if, if Auburn loses that game, they don't really care. You know it's like oh we were supposed to lose our coach got fired you know we're going through a lot Ohio State can Ohio State lost their coach, lost Jim Trestle, was on a probation period, and it's still like I don't care who's coaching this team, we expect to win this game, you know. So uh, Woody Hayes once said, if his car broke down, legendary coach said, if his car broke down, he would push his car to the Ohio State Ohio State border before he would give the state that state any of his money. So I mean, it's just deep hatred, deep. You know, just don't like each other, don't like the colors. Uh, 365. Um, I mean, even if we win this game, the team literally does something every year after the game. Like, win or lose, it's like 364 days we play them again. Every year, every day, if, if there's 262 days until the Team Up North game, they do 262 push-ups. So the game's always on your mind. There's not mm -hmm. a bigger game. Um, Jim Knowles, who's going to probably win the Brawls Award, he said when he first met Urban Meyer on his first day, the first thing he told him was win this game. He didn't ask him where he was from. He didn't ask him, you know, what his scheme was going to be. He said win this game. He didn't introduce himself as Urban Meyer. He said, hey, go win that game. That's why you were brought here. Um, so everybody knows this is this is this is this is it, you know. So we'll see. So that's how much it means. <laughs> I mean. It's well documented as one of the best rivalries in sports. And I'll get into a little more of this later. But like I know I was listening to other podcasts and stuff, just talking about how after how last year went, how Ryan Day has just been obsessing over this. Like you just put it very clearly, the fans and the players and everyone obsesses over it. But when it's the man in charge, 
everything is pointing towards this game. We have the perfect situation for at least the fan that doesn't have a rooting interest and in that it's two 11 and no teams, you know, it's in Ohio state and it's a revenge game for them. Like it just, it sets up so great. And the winner of it goes to play. It's looking like probably Iowa, which I won't even get into that fucking big 10 West shit. I don't want to, <laughs> that's a whole nother rant for another podcast, but whoever's going to do that is going to, whoever wins, on Saturday is going to win the big 10 and probably be the two seed, you know, assuming Georgia wins out in the playoff. So everything is in front of you. Like you said, like the season, it's like, you can almost like you say, when you go to the postseason, like, okay, like it's a new season, but like the postseason starts now for both of these teams, you know? So it's the stakes couldn't be higher for a regular season game, but I wanted to ask you, you know, last year when Michigan finally got it done after a decade of just being embarrassed and losing in pretty much every every way imaginable, um, they came out and they had developed into a really strong physical football team and they were able to finally push Ohio State around because even when Michigan's had really good squads in this rivalry, Ohio State at the end of the day has still had better talent, better depth. And in the close games, a lot of the time, that's what it comes down to. But last year, um, Michigan was able to assert themselves in the trenches and run the ball and get enough stops where they usually can't against the high powered Buckeye attack. So do you think that, I mean, I know you already kind of spoke on the injuries and stuff with the offensive line and running backs, but do you think that this team has fixed some of those physicality issues that were exposed last year? Because Michigan, even though they lost a lot of talent last year, they still, they're a very similar style football team. And, you know, even though there have been some bumps in the road, they've made it to this point, 11 and zero. you know, no matter how easy the schedule is, that's still hard to do. You know, a lot of people say they lost a lot. They lost their two, I mean, should have been two first round defensive ends. They also lost a defensive coordinator. They brought one over last year. He came from the Ravens, from Jim's coat of uh, Jim's brother, John and the Ravens. And they brought another one in from the Ravens. So it's the same scheme, a really same person, except for those two main guys. Some people say they're playing even better. But the talk really came from uh, their office coordinator last year. And I can't forget. I can't remember his name right now. Now he's the office coordinator in Miami. And he's probably going to get fired. But I just can't even remember his name right now. He's coach at Alabama. Um, I think he coached receivers. And I just can't remember his name now, which is so crazy. I got you. Hold on. Um, he's the OC at Miami right now. Josh Gaddis. Yeah, Josh Gaddis. He made a comment, like I said, so much trash talk, so much trash talk after the game. He made a comment that said we were a finesse team and we're not a tough team. So for some reason, the media just took that comment and ran with it and said we weren't a tough team. And, I mean, they did run the ball. That's literally their identity. They weren't going to go out there and throw it around on us. Um, so it's like, hey, are we tough? Are we tough? And everybody says, like, Oregon pushed us around. They, they're running. they were a running team last year as well. It's kind of crystal ball system as well at Oregon last year. But people don't remember that CJ threw for 400 yards in that Oregon game dang near. Like the score was like 45 to like 38. You know, it was like it was like a 40-point game. So it wasn't like they just boat races now. The team up North, they definitely blew us out. But once again, CJ almost threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. You know, um, but the whole toughness part, we did have some guys. We had a safety like named Bryson Shaw. 
I still don't know how he made how he got a scholarship at Ohio State. Um, honestly, now he's a backup. He transferred, and now he's like a third string backup at like USC. So that should just tell you what he was worth. But I mean, we got guys this year. Tommy Eichenberg, who's probably going to win like the war for the top linebacker. He's been playing the last two or three weeks with two broken hands, um, and that two just came hands. out. Two broken hands. <laughs> both of his wrists are broken. Like both of his hands Jesus. are broken. Um, so if you want to talk about toughness. And he hasn't missed a play, you know, typical Ohio linebacker, hasn't missed a play, and that just came out. And then they asked him about it today uh, prior to practice, and he's like, I don't want to talk about it. Like, I feel perfect. And they said they can literally see the stitches in his hand. So it's like, you want to talk about toughness? Um, Lathan Ransom, probably our best safety. He broke his finger on the first play of the Maryland game, and then literally on that same drive or the next drive blocked a punt with that literally broken finger, not even, you know, bandaged up, taped up or anything. Um, like I said, these running backs that are coming out here, who knows what their injury status really is? Who knows what they've really hurt since Ryan Dave's not telling the truth? And they're still playing. Um, Jackson Smith and Jig was, was supposed to be the number one receiver taken this year. He has a hamstring injury. Um, they're doing everything they can to tell him to ease back. Like, he wants to play more than anybody on this team. Um, C.J. Stroud, the number one criticism of his that any Ohio State fan has is, like, just run the ball. Even if it's just two yards, it's like, just go. Easy. The problem with Justin Fields is, like, he runs too much. Now C.J. won't run, which is so hysterical. Um, now he's lowering his shoulder, trying to truck people, going to go block people. Um, so toughness, you know, I think it's there. And, and it's going to sound cliche. It's going to be the same thing. But I think these guys just really want to prove the yeah, – players former players coming back saying things these guys just really want to prove that like they're tough they want to win this game um they're not just a finesse team I mean like we've had possessions this year we have we've had close games that shouldn't have been close just so they can prove this point of like running the ball on third and two when we probably have another number one receiver Marvin Harrison who can beat anybody instead of throwing him the ball we're just going to try to run it when they have eight people in the box just to prove a point, like Ron Day has made it his mission to make this team as tough as physically possible, as mentally possible. Um, yeah, without, so I think without they're really just ready to, go out to prove a point. Without, Har- without Harrison stepped up to fill in that number one role, I mean, he's he's become mm-hmm. maybe the best receiver in the whole country, you know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like I was saying, just with how they are, like, obsessing over this all year – I know that Day got the new defensive coordinator, and I'm sure that, you know, it was a big point of emphasis all offseason. Like, we're not going to give up 300 rushing yards to this team again when the time comes. You know, I mean, they're going to run the ball. They're going to do their thing, which with Blake Corum getting injured last week, interrupting after the fact, sorry, the Zoom cut off on us a couple times, so we will pick up as close as we can as where we left off right now. Okay, I don't know exactly where we were, but I'll just go into the next question for you. So I was curious what type of game you see as ideal for Ohio State and what type of game that you would assume is ideal for Michigan having the best chance to win this, whether it's high or low scoring, physical or spread out, run pass, clean, sloppy, um, you know, what do you think? And and with the weather potentially being, you know, it looks like it'll be pretty cold and wet, maybe not quite snow, but cold rain. 
um, is in the forecast. I know it's going to be raining in Tuscaloosa. Thankfully, just not as not quite as cold as up north. But um, yeah, what do you what do you think about all that? Uh, starting off with the team up north, I think they want like just an ugly game. I mean, like keep the ball out of CJ's hands, keep him on the sidelines. Of course, it sounds cliche, but it's really just the truth. But one, I don't think nobody thinks Blake Corm's going to play. I don't think he's going to play. I don't think he risked it. But the, the real question is, does uh, Donovan Edwards, their backup action play? That's a real two, one, two punch, probably the best one, two punch in college football right now. Um, so what's the deal with the backup? Because if, if you didn't see Blake Corum, who's Michigan's Heisman, uh, I can't remember if I talked about this in the other part of the episode or not, but Michigan's Heisman caliber back got injured against Illinois, like right before halftime and briefly returned. Um, but he only came in for like a couple plays in the second half and then Harbaugh pulled him out. So he's TBD. Like, of course, Harbaugh's not saying anything, but is their backup banged up too? Yeah. So the backup didn't play last week at all. Mm. So now you, and so that, which I mean, nobody likes injuries, but, you can say both ways anybody loses. Like, hey, we've, we've been playing all season with injuries. Running backs playing a week, not playing for three weeks. Coming back, playing for two weeks, not playing. Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't played all year. So, we on our end, we don't really want to hear the Blake Corn might not play aspect of it because we haven't been healthy all season. Like I said, Tommy Eichenberg playing with two broken wrists. You know, like, we don't really want to hear that. Very few teams uh, are healthy in November. Exactly. I mean, everybody's not out here playing Austin P every week. But... um. <laughs> You know, it's kind still of have a, still have a stronger out of conference schedule than uh, Michigan does, for the record. It's very <laughs> surprising. Very surprising. <laughs> it's kind of hard. Um, no, we're not out here playing UAB and East Tennessee State in the Big Ten, but uh, especially in November at that too. But um, what was I going to say? You know, so they would they would love for it to rain because then we probably wouldn't be able to throw the ball, um, which would just I don't think they. I don't think they trust JJ. I mean, receive their receivers are dropping passes here the last couple of weeks. They haven't taken many shots downfield, and when they have, he's overthrown guys or the guys haven't caught the ball. So they would love for it to get ugly, to be a run fest. They don't think we can run the ball. They think they can run the ball. So that's what they want. They wanted to just kind of get to a ground and pound game and control the clock, kick a couple field goals, and get they they take a field goal win and get out of there. And I think for us, I think we won the coin toss. I think we take the ball, which is kind of unusual. Uh, but I think we'd love to get out to a lead early, even if it was just 10 points. If any, I, I truly believe if at any point in this game, if we get up by 10 points, and it's rare, you know, I like to sit in my own place and watch the game by myself. But there's a few moments in games where you feel like this one's kind of over. You know, like we got them in a good spot. If we get up by double digits at any point in the game, I don't believe, and I think – a lot of people would say the same. Like, they're not built to come back. Like, even if it's the first quarter and we get up by double digits, I just don't think they can keep up. I, whether it rains, whether it's 80 degrees and sunny, I, I just don't think they can score with us. I don't even know what their highest scoring output is against a quality team. I mean, I know they both raced Penn State, but, I mean, Penn State just didn't put up any effort that day on offense. But they have well, played UConn a- just got bowl eligible. Do they count as quality? Because Michigan beat them 59 to zero. Exactly. They didn't, they didn't score a point. So against the like- big against the Big Ten team, it was well, Rutgers 52 to 17. But Penn, that was, that Rutgers, Penn State Rutgers was leading that game at halftime. Yeah. Penn State is definitely their best 
the best resume booster 41 to 17. That's that's definitely the best performance they've had this year. So, I mean, like everybody's talking about us against Maryland. Maryland played them really tough, too. And I'll just call him TT because I don't want to screw up his name. But um, yeah, that was Michigan won that one 34 27. It was close. I mean, if you watch the game, like, he, he he was killing us. He looked like his brother, but he didn't play. Like he got injured in that game. And from then on, they kind of just went downhill. They could have won that game. Um, so for them to get ready to hopefully, I mean, I really hope it doesn't rain and we get to use our full arsenal of weapons. But if we if we can play our our brand of ball and not held back because of the weather for any way, shape, or form, and we catch a lead, like I said, I would love to get the ball first. I would love. And then the number one thing, kind of like Tennessee, the team up north has not played a quality opponent on the road all season. You know, Tennessee did. They, they played Florida at home. They played Bama at home. Pitt was a neutral site game for Tennessee. Then they went to Georgia. And everything fell apart. They went to South Carolina and everything fell apart. Michigan's only played three road games this whole year. I don't know how that shook out at Iowa, at Indiana and at Rutgers. So not exactly the types of atmospheres they are going to be seeing this Saturday. And plus Uh, his quarterback, he didn't play last year, not any significant time. So this is going to be far and away. I mean, what is the horseshoe probably holds twice as many as Iowa stadium. So like, this is going to be a whole new a whole new world for him, and I've got some thoughts on him too that I'll save for a little bit later. But I generally agree. I was kind of expecting you to answer with that, with the you know low scoring for Michigan, just make it ugly, keep it close, and then for Ohio State, it's give me the ball. If we can get a 10, 14 point lead, then, you know, if Michigan gets a 10 or 14 point lead, Ohio State can still strike so quick. You know, they can they can score and get a three and out and then score again before you can go to the bathroom and get back with that passing attack. But with Michigan, it's so much more methodical and that's not a bad thing, but it does make you a lot more vulnerable if you do get down like that. So I, I complete, I completely agree. And especially with the coin flip thing, because there have been situations where in previous years with the best Bama offenses, it's like, give me the ball. Let's just, let's try to put this, put this to bed early. You know, let's not let them get the early lead and just have to kind of fight from behind the whole time. So that, that can make a difference even in the first quarter. Um, Are there any specific, like player on player or positional matchups that you're kind of keeping an eye on. Maybe that could be advantageous or the opposite for the Buckeyes. One, I just, I just got a funny feeling. Um, the kicker, Jake Moody, he's probably going to win the Luke Gerzer award, you know, top kicker. But I just feel like he has a bad game. Maybe Shanks won that everybody expects him to make every 50 yard kick. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has a bad game, maybe misses one. It would just happen. We had a kicker last year that didn't miss a kick until the last game of the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just misses one that everybody expects him to make. Like I said earlier, we have two tackles that have not given up a sack all season uh, versus their defense. They don't have any, like, standout defensive ends, but I love to see how that goes. And then their offensive line is supposed to be the number one offensive line in America. But when you haven't played in a – 100,000 seat stadium. They haven't got to scream in four years at you. I love to see, you know, they're they're not a passing team. So if they get behind the chains and it's first and 15 instead of first and 10 a lot, 
I mean, that'll be really advantageous for us. And then the, coming into the season, they were talking about having the number one receiving corps, being so deep at receiver. Um, we're just going to see. We're going to see. I expect Jim knows not even really just to load the box, but to just give them so many looks where they can't run the ball. We catch that early lead, and J.J. has to throw the ball. And can his receivers get open? Can they finally catch the ball? Can he make the throws? I'm not, I don't think we have any just crazy first round talent DBs this year, but can their receivers make plays? You know, so those are really be the three that I'm really looking at. So to kind of wrap it up, as far as position or predictions go, I have a hard time. Like I've been kind of back and forth on this one, but I have a really hard time, especially now with Blake Corum. Cause I feel like if he's out, I I have a really hard time seeing a path for Michigan. Um, but if he's in, you know, and it is a bad weather day and the Wolverines, like my head kind of thinks that they can keep it close. I think that they're good enough and physical enough. And generally that style of ball playing good defense and running the ball can travel well, whereas, you know, passing isn't as much the case, but like you kind of said, I do worry about JJ McCarthy because this is the biggest game of his life, hardest environment he's ever probably ever going to play in. And it's not like Michigan's really had to get any, into any like shootouts this year. Like they had a, the close game on Saturday against Illinois that they won 19 to 17 on three fourth quarter field goals. And like they're going to have score touchdowns to beat Ohio State. They're not just going to be able to rely on the kicker the whole game. And uh, so it will be interesting when they get backed up on, you know, first and 15 and second and third and long, like, there's going to be a point in this game where he has to they ha, they're probably going to have to put the game on his shoulders more than they've had to the whole season. So while he's been able to kind of do the game manager thing and hide behind Blake Corum all year, we're going to find out what he's got. And I just don't know that he's got it. <laughs> not to the not to the degree of pulling this game off in this atmosphere because we just haven't seen it before. And, you know, I just think, I don't know, my heart says Ohio state, like they killed Michigan for all those years. And even though last year, the, you know, the tide turned a little bit, it's just, it, that, that was a long time coming. Like, you know, the, the underdog and the rivalry gets one every now and then, but I, I can just see a like double digit Ohio state win that just feels a lot more probable to me than Michigan pulling this off twice in a row. But, you know, like I said, that kind of depends on quorum and his health and we'll see. Um, but as, like, and like we mentioned earlier, like with Ohio state obsessing over this game all year and coming off the loss and not having a home game in four years. And like you mentioned it earlier, I had written down the, the Harbaugh quote where he was talking about Ryan day after the game last year and said, some people are born on third base and think they hit a triple. So I'm sure Ryan days had that one plastered all over the walls and everything. Um, but I don't know. I think I can see Ohio state winning and covering, I think a lot more, a lot more times out of a hundred than Michigan pulling off the upset here. So what about you? So many points to wrap it up. One, uh, they asked Jim about that quote 
uh, Monday. He said he thinks it's irrelevant, so it's kind of shying back from what he said. <laughs> Ryan Day answered back and said Tuesday when he had his media day today, he said, you know, he doesn't want to talk about it right now. He thinks later down the line's a better time to talk about it. Probably going to be after we win if we do. Because um, he came out first and said he wanted to hang 100 on these guys and they canceled the game, which is so funny because they canceled the game because of COVID like two days before COVID. And then CJ didn't say it was the reason we lost, but he did say that him and a bunch of the guys were sick last year. And then they said that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> OK, we're back. So you were going on about Harbaugh kind of walking back the the comment and the 100, 100 point thing. So, yeah, uh, Ryan Day said first, you know, um, he wanted to. He was. He said in a meeting, and then Harbaugh kind of came out and said it publicly. It was a coaches' meeting during the summer, and Harbaugh Ryan Day was like, you know, he, we're going to hang a hundred on those guys, and Harbaugh made it public, and then they actually won, and um, you know, they're just talking a bunch of trash. But from my outlook of the game, from that standpoint to, um. Just the guys wanting to win. I mean, uh, really, at Ohio State, the, the biggest thing we really, really want with this rivalry is to take over the overall record. Um, some people count the the probation season, so it's really like 59-52. Um, like, there are people that are sitting there, like, 80-90-year-olds year, that are literally like, man, I just want to live long enough to see Ohio State take over that rivalry. Because they started off and they won, like, probably the first 15 in, like, the 18-1900s. So, so many people just want to say, like, man, I was alive to see Ohio State on the winning side of that overall record. Um, that aspect of it, Rondé knows that. Rondé came out and said when he first got the job, he wants to be there for 20 years. So he knows how much this game means. He wants to be the coach that takes that throne, to, you know, take that overall record. Um, so a lot of people in Ohio say and all over say, you know, they just want to live one more year to see Ohio State beat the team up north one more time. Um, it means that much to them. Um, uh, the big another big point is just we lost a game that doesn't get talked about enough to Clemson when Chase Young was there in the playoffs, and we sat on that loss for a whole year. It wasn't even a Big Ten opponent, wasn't a opponent we really well, we do play them a lot in the playoffs, played them a bunch of times, honestly, but we lost that game to Clemson, and it was almost like the team up north. We they posted that score in the locker room, in the weight room, around the Woody, which is the name of the athletic center there. And the whole season that year was about getting back and playing Clemson. That's all anybody wanted to do. We shouldn't have lost that game. We wanted up losing a couple close calls. A couple, we should have scored a couple touchdowns. Shouldn't have got a couple penalties. We would have won that game. And the whole season was dedicated to going out there and beating them. And we did. We actually blew them out. Now, granted, we lost the next game. We got blown out to Alabama. But the whole season – was about beating them. And I think Ron Day's made that a point to everybody this year. The whole season has been about beating that team. So as much as I want to say, especially if the weather holds up, I really don't think the game's going to be close. He's had a couple of these times where he's been able to lose a game or two and get to play that team again. And, I mean, he's boat raced them. He's demolished them. The games haven't been close. When he's lost and gotten to play that team again, the games haven't been close. Um, thankfully, if we win this game, we wouldn't play Alabama again the next week, so I wouldn't have to worry about that. <laughs> but I do believe um, he's held a lot back. I don't think he's called games the way he's going to call this one, which everybody has, but I just don't think – 
we've won a couple blowout games, but they haven't really been a blowout fashion. A couple block punts, a couple defensive touchdowns. It hasn't been like CJ, for instance, as well. If we win the, if he wins the Heisman, uh, Ohio State will have the most Heismans out of any school. We haven't had, won a Heisman in all, almost 20 years. What bigger stage than this college game day is going to be there? Big news is going to be there. The stage is yours, you know. Um, I just – he hasn't had really a big crazy game all year. I think this is it, you know. Uh, as much as I want to say it could be close and the team of North keeps it close, I really think they want to go out there and – not let them score a touchdown. Like any point they take that they score is going to be a field goal. Um, I think Jim Knowles, he's been kind of hinting at it all year in media availabilities. Like I've only installed 50% of the defense the next week or a couple weeks later. It's like, I've only installed 70%, but we've only used 30% of it. Like he's saying, basically he's held so much back. He's not going to unleash it all for this game, but um, I just really don't think it's going to be close. I think, you know, we're going to see something like this next year when Tennessee comes back to Alabama. Like, Bama's been beating up on Tennessee for 15 years. Tennessee finally gets one. They're trash talking and they're saying all this stuff. I mean, I thought it was going to happen in Atlanta, but I think next year when Tennessee comes to Tuscaloosa, it's going to be a funeral. It's going to be whatever year it was when Georgia decided to wear all black and they dressed up for their funeral. I think... Goddamn right. I think that's what this game's going to be like. I think... Rain, sleet, or snow, it is going to be – I mean, I was, I was, you know, if, if I didn't have the family I did and we weren't so close, I'd be in Columbus myself. I was going to buy a ticket. I wanted to be there. I don't think the game's going to be close. I want to say anywhere between, like, 17 to 21. I'd say probably, like, 14, 21 – you know, I mean, not 14, 42, 21, 14, 42, 28. Um, and I think I, I I honestly think this is why I feel so great they were going to win. I could just see Ryan Day having a chance to like run out the clock at the end of the game and him throwing the ball, like him just not letting up, him letting him know, you know, just just so much. Like Carball wins that game, he's talking trash, and then he tries to go to the NFL. You know, I think Ryan Day knows like. If I get one last chance at this guy and this is it, he tries to sneak off to the NFL, I'm going to let him know. I'm going to let him have it. I'm going to let that school have it. People are talking about maybe I could be fired if I lose this game. He's already getting that saving complex of the school doesn't realize how great success we're having. They don't appreciate 10 and 2. This that he knows, he now knows what the, he says it all the time. If you don't think a game is big enough at Ohio State, try losing one. And he lost the biggest one. Um, so there are people literally talking about him being fired if he loses this game. And I think he realizes that. I think he's been sitting on it for a year. And I think every coach, he hired a brand new offensive coach, offensive line coach for this game. He had a brand new defensive coordinator. They're both getting paid a million dollars for this game. Nothing else, not a single other reason, but this game. So there could potentially be a lot of people that are going to be Lane Kiffin and get fired after this game if they don't win. You know, so uh, I'm I'm just ready. Saturday can't get here soon enough. I'm glad this isn't SEC country where the game can be at two thirty six o'clock. I can wake up and watch the game immediately. <laughs> I <My> disagree. <laughs> I, this game will never be played at two thirty six. It, it was played at two thirty one year two two thousand and six, and people hated it for some reason. Don't understand that. Don't know why you wouldn't you would want to wait any longer to watch this game. 
I mean, I like, like the my build. phone. I like the my build. Phone. I wish y'all were playing at like 630 so that I could actually watch it because I'm not going to be able to see the second half, which according to you, maybe there won't be much to see in the second half. I'll be able to watch the first half before I go into Brian Denny. But yeah, it's. I just wish it was I wish it was a night game. So I like selfishly so I could watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, people up north, people in Big Ten country like lose their mind. Like they like night games. Like we play Penn State at night. Uh, not a problem. You know, black out the shoe, which isn't tradition either. But for some reason, they are stuck on this game being at noon. Like they yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I don't I don't know who cares so much about the time of a game being a tradition. But um, yeah, like they, they've talked about, you know, Moving the day of the game, not going to happen uh, with, you know, uh, updating conferences and divisions and stuff. And do you want to do rematches? They play this week, then they play again next week. That's that's they, they're talking about firing ADs if that happens. They talk about moving the game time, talking about firing ADs if that happens. So, yeah, you can plan yeah. everything else around this. This is the one thing that's that's going to stay. And it doesn't take a, a Big Ten fan to know that. But you know, I mean, it, it is cool. Like, I mean, the Iron Bowl is kind of on and off, <clears throat> whether or not Auburn's competitive. But you got you always like, at least for the past, you know, our football watching lifetime, you got the game in the morning. You got the Iron uh -huh. Bowl at 230 because there's only been one year when the Iron Bowl hasn't been at 230. And granted, that's I guess that's about to change with the TV stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't. Even, it's probably going to start being a night game. Um, but you got the game in the morning, Iron Bowl at 2.30, and then kind of whatever other rivalry game is currently, you know. The USC-Notre Dame game is going to be pretty, uh, pretty important. I am excited for that one. I'm glad I'll get to watch that after after I get out of the stadium. But, you know, it's like LSU-Texas A&M. I mean, that's not a big one this year. Okay. We do need to talk about that. I mentioned this, how you texted me in the, in the other part of the episode. But give me your thoughts because – I picked Texas A&M plus 10. I don't know why. I don't like it, but it's just a weird feeling that it's going to be a weird game. <laughs> a lot of people, that LSU, what was it, LSU-Arkansas? I don't know why people thought that LSU-Arkansas game wasn't going to be close. Rivalry game. Um, I think, wasn't that right after the Bama game? Um, It was. It was the next week. Everybody always talks Which about is, how tough it is for to both play. teams. If you know yeah. anything about Bam LSU, is always a letdown slot because those games are emotional and physical and close. And Bama normally plays Mississippi State the week after. Exactly. Now we play them earlier. Like I thought we were going to lose to Ole Miss just because a this team, but b just like we always play like shit when we have to the play right. on the road the week after the LSU game. And LSU said that that's exactly they dealt with the same thing and they snuck it out just like we barely did. But you saw both teams have a very similar performance against inferior competition. Exactly. I'm, I mean, so that, that one wasn't crazy. But I just think half of Texas A&M's roster won't be on Texas A&M come next year. Like half of them are the transfer portal the next day. So this is, I mean, just my statement game. They're not going to a bowl game. The game's in Texas A&M. They're about to go play the same way they played Alabama. Like, they have nothing to lose. I mean, for the first half of the game against UAB, I mean, everybody was struggling last week. But LSU played them close. And I still don't know who thinks LSU is really that great of a team. Does anybody truly think they're like a top 10 team in the country? Like I don't. They've been like they've been they've been such a roller coaster team. They lost to Florida State. Yeah, they beat Bama, but 
that game was in Tuscaloosa, they probably lose by 20, you know. Um, they beat Ole Miss. Ole Miss just got boat raced. I never thought they were really a – once again, if they play Bama Tuscaloosa, they probably get killed. Um, so outside of that, like, I think they're going to get killed by Georgia in two weeks. And they I got mean, they got killed by Tennessee a couple of weeks they, before. They, exactly. So it's like they've just been so up and down. I would not be surprised if that game is close, which is a 10. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 10. I'm, I'm picking Texas A&M to win, so I'm really not going to be surprised. But see, in uh, LSU, I, I, I thought, like you mentioned, thought, like you mentioned, AM, nothing to lose, no yeah. care in the world, just go play fast and free, get some good tape for the transfer portal. LSU, if they win against AM and Georgia, then they're talking, they're, I mean, playoff. I don't think mm-hmm. that will happen. I think Georgia will beat them probably, probably three touchdowns at least. Exactly. But, kind uh, of a you know, I mean, they, they have the little what if. What if we win the next two in the back of their mind and Texas A&M, you know, that, that can go a long way. And it's not like they don't have talent. They just don't know how to fucking use it. But. <laughs> oh, I mean, like for Jimbo, he knows he should probably end the season on a good note. What better note than to beat them, beat your rival, kind of, I guess this is a rival for them, um, and kind of have a better end to the season because he's going to have a very long off season. So he should hopefully win this one and have a very – that crowd is going to be their last game of the season. I mean, they kind of left early at the last game, so they're going to be there. They're going to be loud. They're going to be their last game of the season. I'd just be really surprised if that game's not close and Texas, Texas A&M doesn't have a shot to pull it off at the end. I'd be really, really surprised um, between that one I think Notre Dame really need Notre Dame to win and help our schedule look better. I think that one's close with USC. And I think when that Saturday's over and we're rolling into Sunday morning, I'll probably be in my brand new Cadillac. If you get what I'm saying. Um oh my Cadillac God. I go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was I was <laughs> uh, I've been texting people about this, but I mean, I don't know how much our guys are gonna really care, and I'm oh, doing. Oh, you don't think they're gonna care about such a I'm big doing an game? I'm doing an Iron Bowl episode tomorrow, so we'll dive deeper into this tomorrow. But I don't know. Auburn's been looking pretty good, you know. I mean, I know they've they've been a little distracted with all the Kiffin shit chat this week, but you know what if what if they fuck around and beat us on Saturday? Like they got a higher Cadillac, right? Uh, they won't even they won't even want kiffin at that point do you still want kiffin after what happened last week yeah i would i mean, <laughs> I mean god honestly like i was talking to a pretty big i mean is there a big alabama fan than you but i was talking to this guy that works at my job pretty big alabama fan and he's like isn't that just such a lateral move to go from old miss to Auburn? well that's the question and both fan bases will tell you that they're the better job, obviously. But I mean, Auburn has proven to have a higher ceiling in at least recent years, you know, the past couple decades, let's say, because Ole Miss ever since the SEC implemented the SEC title game. Yes, we were the first to do that. You're welcome, rest of the country. Um, In 1992, when Alabama defeated Florida, went on to beat Miami for the national championship, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Ever since that year, when they did the divisions and a a team would win the East and the West and meet in Atlanta, Ole Miss has never won the division. 
you know, since then Auburn has won a national championship and made it to another. Um, and they've, you know, at least made appearances in a few other sec championships. So while they do feel like similar programs, Auburn has proven to have a higher ceiling. And that should mean a lot coming from me. Cause I'd love nothing more than for lane just to be flirting and trolling with Auburn and then just not take the job here in a week <laughs> because they want them. <laughs> I guess my argument would be like Mark Stoops just signed a deal with a coach at Kentucky. He just signed a deal for like $9 million a year, kind of like top 10 coach money at Kentucky, where the expectations are he could win eight games and it'd be a great year. Mm-hmm. It's the best job in America. There's not a better job in America than Kentucky right now. We're going to pay you almost $10 million, almost like top three money. You're going to play in the SEC. You can win eight games and it's a decent, it's a great year. There's and if you do a have a bad job. year, people are still going to get more pissed off at the basketball program than, than they are. Is there, you. is there a better job in America? So my thing with Lane is, I mean, we'll see how they do the scheduling. I mean, you're finna bring in Texas and Oklahoma. You're going from your rival being Mississippi State and Mike Leach. And, you know, that's your rival. Compete with Alabama. We really don't care if you win the game. Like, we love, we love to beat them once every couple of years to – your rivals Nick's. Alabama and Nick Saban, and we want you to beat them every other year. And on top of that, you still got to go probably play Kirby every year too. Yeah, they're not going to get rid of that. They're not getting rid they're, of that not, game. They're not going to get rid of that. So you're going to keep at least your two main rivals. Like Alabama's going to play Auburn and, and Tennessee, you know. And that's another point to the Ohio State thing. Like I was going to – I meant to ask you that earlier. Like – Who's well? Everybody's Alabama's rival, but who's really Alabama's rival? Is it LSU? Is it Auburn? Is it Tennessee? You know, people out here are like, "Oh, I didn't know Alabama and Tennessee was a rivalry because Tennessee's never beat them." So you got three people that really feel like they're Alabama's rival. Ohio State—that's all they have. Like Penn State's not our rival. Michigan State's not our rival. It's just this team. You know, the team up north has that problem because they have an in-state rival. Ohio State—that's all they have. But Kiffin going to Auburn—I mean, he may get paid more. Because I think there's, like, some state law in Mississippi where you can only do, like, three-year contracts or something like that. But um, you can only get paid so much being a public employee. Um, so, yeah, you can go to Auburn and get paid more. They just opened up a new facility. But the expectations, especially because they want you so bad and they fired two or three coaches here recently and these crazy buyouts. Not only fired them, but, like, staged internal coups during your tenure to unseat you and replace you with – one of your assistants. Yeah, it's a fucked up situation and it will continue to be. I mean, that's just they can't get out of their own way, um, which if he doesn't go, that's probably the number one reason why. But Mm -hmm. it was interesting. You said Stoops in Kentucky, like best job in the nation. I completely understand and I'm not pushing back at all, but like it depends on what you're like whether you think Ole Miss or Auburn is the better job like Kentucky is a perfect example like if you think do you think Kentucky is the best job in the country or Georgia because there's two right answers but do you want the highest ceiling or like the highest quality of life and coaching and like Georgia has you know the highest just as high of a ceiling as anybody in the country great recruiting base conference the whole nine yards facilities and then you can talk about the other like alabama ohio state type teams that are in that 
upper, you know, very clear blue blood programs that when a coach gets that job, it's like, okay, like I'm not leaving anywhere unless it's NFL. Like I'm not leaving for another college program from here, from here. But then, and so like Auburn, while it's not in that level, it does have the a very high ceiling for a program its size. But if you would rather have, if you find the Kentucky job more appealing than the Georgia job, for example, then you probably believe that Ole Miss is a better job than Auburn. And by that train of thought, then I think you're 1000% correct because Lane can do whatever the fuck he wants at Ole Miss. And at Auburn, you've got, you know, however many hundreds of people trying to tell you what to do that have never co- coached or, you know, or played football in their life. And, uh, that's the question. Like, yeah, Auburn can write a bigger check, but at, at what cost ultimately? So we'll see. I think, and then especially for him and a buddy, the same guy, and I were talking about this, like he was, was holding up the topic, but he was talking about he'd rather have Sarkeesian when Saban leaves. But like Lane's biggest thing is this whole Twitter thing right now, right? <laughs> and that's fine at Ole Miss. Win a couple of games. Nobody cares what you're talking about, writing stuff on Twitter. You know, you start losing a couple games at Auburn where we're expecting you to turn this program around, compete for championships, compete with Alabama, compete with Georgia, beat both of them in the same year. They're going to – I can hear it right now, like, get off of Twitter and go win some games. Like, I mean, Batman's been playing some closer games that people expect the last two or three years. But did anybody – I mean, of course some teams actually beat Saban and Bama, but did anybody play Alabama closer here? Then Brian Harson just did went to four overtimes. I, I mean, I, I thought like everybody's saying he played horribly and everything. He took the, the team that almost won a national championship to four overtimes. That Auburn team sucked. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, he were like, he can't coach. I'm like, isn't the like being able to tell if a guy can coach is like how he does against quality competition. He played with some people would say the team that should have won the national championship because they beat the national championship winning team to four overtimes when they were healthy, when Jamison Williams and John Metchie were out there. They went to four overtimes. They were literally like, I mean, I guess four plays away from winning since they went to four overtimes, but what more could you want? You know, everybody's like, oh, you get two or three years. And two uh, months later, they're staging an internal coup to make it look like he's having an affair with the secretary. So, I, I mean, I, I just and don't know. Lane I, is known to be quite the ladies' man. So yeah. you just get a couple boosters who don't approve of it. And good God, how easy would that be? Plus, he's always... And I used to find this annoying. And now I think it's more genuine than I... Uh, initially assumed but when he left tuscaloosa and went and got the florida whatever job fiu and then Ole miss and like he would always be tweeting like saban doesn't have a twitter but he would always be tweeting about saban and calling him the goat and at first i thought he was just kind of being a jackass and then i kind of realized when some time had passed it's like okay like i think he's actually just being like respectful and just online and that's cool. But like at Ole Miss, like you said, you can lose a couple games and tweet about the GOAT, you know, winning some game or whatever. Like nobody cares. But like try that at Auburn. <laughs> See how they take it after you lose to, you know, 
Texas A&M or something, then a few days later tweet about some just random coach that has nothing to do with what your program is doing right now. Yeah, they wouldn't take it too well. At Ole Miss, you can get away with some of that stuff. So it's just a question, but at Ole Miss, you know, they still haven't won the SEC West, much less the actual SEC since like 1960. So exactly. yeah, Even that's the question. That- which, what, what do you value? And I think personally, like all the Auburn f- fans think this is in the fucking bag. I say not so fast, my friend. I don't know. I just think that he knows that if he just stays put, get another couple nine-win seasons, like a blue blood's going to come calling. And whether it's Alabama soon, only Saban knows the answer to that question. I'm I'm done trying to guess, you know, what his expiration date is because everyone always says like, oh, three or four more years. Like that's what I thought 10 years ago. So I don't know. But there will be, you know, other job openings that are better than Auburn before too long. It it always is, happens. Is, so I was talking and about that today. Is there if he a just if job? he just if he just holds still, you know, someone's going to come calling. I mean, because he's he's been at USC, which I would say is a better job than Auburn. He's hey, at yeah. Ole Miss. He's been a, he's been an NFL head coach. So I mean, is there a better job? At, at what where does he go? Lincoln Riley probably isn't going anywhere. How many jobs are really better than Auburn? He's not going to Georgia. He's not going to LSU. He's not going to Ohio State. He's not going to the team up north. You almost got to say, like, he's got to take the Auburn job if he wants something better because where is he going? He can't go to Texas. Um, he can't. He might be able to go to Oklahoma. I mean – Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you just never know. And now with all these teams locking in decade long contracts, like how smart does Michigan State feel right now? (laughs) Um, That I mean, that complicates things because, you know, Jimbo would be gone if he didn't have 80 whatever million left on his deal. But he does. And they're not going to pay that quite yet. So um, that I mean, that does complicate things. But, you know, I mean, Florida, who knows? Miami, yeah. who knows? I think he would kill it at either of those, but granted, no one's been able to do that for a while. So I don't know, but it's fascinating. That's for sure. We'll find so out we'll, in a few days, one way or the other. Yeah, we'll see. I, I just, I'd be surprised. I, I mean, just the grass isn't always greener, man. The grass True. is not always greener. I think. I, he, and then, and I mean, if he thought Tennessee fans were pretty hectic and wild and crazy and throwing golf balls, when he comes back to, sheesh, when he comes back to the Grove, it, it, I mean, and you're going to play him every year. Before too long, every play. damn fan base in the SEC is going to hate him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Now, now Alabama fans are going to hate you. Ole Miss is going to hate you. Tennessee is going to hate you. I mean, this guy just likes to be the hated guy, and he doesn't win enough to really own that title. But we'll see. We'll All right, see. brother. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I think you're my first non-SEC guest, so only took two whole seasons of podcasting for that to uh, come to fruition, but better late than never. So thanks for, thanks for coming to tell us about the game and everything and chit-chatting as always. So you and yours have a good Thanksgiving, and – We'll uh we'll chat privately after after Saturday, no matter what happens. <laughs> All right. I, I can't wait, man. Get back to Huntsville safely. You know, have a good Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. I wish you the best. And hopefully, you know, your phone works come uh six o'clock on Saturday. You know, hopefully I can Yeah, hopefully can, you haven't sold your other car yet. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Caddies yeah. are nice, but I don't know. They're kinda 
they're kind of out of style. That was more of a 2004 thing. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to hear from you. But, man, I appreciate you for having me on, man. Have a good one. Have a good Thanksgiving, man. All right, brother. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.